following episode of an evening at the movies focused on epic franchises that's right star wars harry potter the hunger games scream back to the future and maybe a surprise or two so sit back and enjoy as we pay tribute to these franchises that we all know and have loved with all of our hearts throughout the history of time Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is An Evening at the Movies, and I am your incredibly gracious host, Casey. And this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down soda and discuss all the movies and all the reasons why we love all the movies. So, with that said, tonight we are here to continue down the road of exploring epic franchises in cinema history. Last week we discussed the science fiction science fiction classic Return of the Jedi, furthering our exploration into the Skywalker saga. And tonight we are going to journey back in time and we're going to be discussing the first movie in the Harry Potter franchise, otherwise known as, depending upon which country you are listening from, either Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, if you are outside of the United States, or in the United States, it is known as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So, I know we already have done a Harry Potter episode already a few months back, but that was more based in a trivia challenge, and tonight we are going to explore the first installment of the Harry Potter saga from a traditional and evening at the movies perspective. So I hope for all you guys that enjoyed the episode back in July, uh, I hope you guys are just as excited to explore Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone from this perspective as well. So with that said, I don't know why in the blue hell we are 
holding back, we should dig right in and get after it because let's be honest right now it is 11 9 p.m on sunday night and one i promised you guys this would be available monday morning and two my alarm clock goes off at 3 30 in the freaking morning and i need to get freaking motivated and i need to get back on track so not complaining but here we go so harry potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was released on November 14th, 20, not 20, November 14th, 2001. And yes, the plan was for this episode to be dropped. Oh, wait, it is Sunday and we are recording this and it is Sunday, November 14th, 2021. So with that said, um, we should, um, well, screw it. I've done it a couple times already. Why not do it one more time? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Happy birthday to you. So, yes, as of the moment I am recording this, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is, oh my dear ever-loving God, 20 freaking years old. Where in the hell has the time gone? It, honest to God, doesn't seem like it's been that long since I read the book. And it really does, well, I guess it would be 24 years since the book came out. And like I said, 20 years today since the movie came out but it doesn't seem like it's been 20 some years since i've seen this movie so uh now that we got the release and all that out of the way uh part one was directed by christopher columbus oh no let me no not christopher i do this every time when i refer to this dude christopher columbus was the dude who in 1492 sailed the ocean blue Chris Columbus is the very successful and much respected Hollywood movie director. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was directed by Chris Columbus. It was released by Warner Brothers Studios and had a budget of $125 million. So before I get to the box office, I would just like if book oh not book one year one aka the sorcerer's stone had a 125 million dollar budget i am kind of anxious to get to deathly hollows and see just what kind of budget those two movies had because if this movie who nobody knew what it was going to become had a 125 million dollar budget oh dear God, Deathly Hollows probably had a freaking ten million, a ten billion dollar budget. But so uh, the box office for year one was one point zero zero seven, one point double oh seven billion with a B, but but billion dollars in two thousand one, which 
granted there isn't a whole lot of inflation over the course of 20 years but there is a little bit well when you hear the number obviously it's not a little bit but you know in the grand scheme of things the inflation over 20 years translates to 1.507 billion billion dollars so um cast i'm not going to attempt to even throw out everybody who had a part in this movie but we're going to hit on the bulk of the incredibly major characters who had a part in this cinematic masterpiece uh daniel radcliffe plays wizarding guru wonderkind harry potter Rupert Grint plays Ron Weasley. Emma Watson plays Hermione Granger. John Cleese plays Nearly Headless Nick. Robbie Coltrane plays Hagrid. Rubius Hagrid. Warwick Davis plays Professor Flitwick. Richard Griffiths, Griffiths plays Vernon Dursley. Richard Harris plays Albus Dumbledore. Ian Hart plays Professor Quirrell. John Hurt plays Mr. Ollivander. Alan Hans Gruber Rickman plays Severus Snape. <clears throat> Potential spoilers for later in the month. Uh, Fiona Shaw plays Petuna, Petunia Dursley. Maggie Smith plays Minerva McGonagall. Julie Walters plays Molly Weasley. And... The blonde-headed bastard son of a uh, freaking yeah. Voldemort disciple Draco Malfoy is played by Tom Felton. So, uh, what is this movie about? You ask. Well. I think I'm going to answer that question for you uh, right now. Late one night, Albus Dumbledore and Minerva McGonagall, professors at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, along with the school's groundskeeper, Rubius Hagrid, deliver a recently orphaned infant named Harry Potter to his only remaining relatives, the Dursleys. Ten years later, Harry is living, in a, living a difficult life with the Dursleys. After inadvertently causing an incident during a family trip to the London Zoo, Harry begins receiving unsolicited letters by owls. After he and the Dursleys flee to an island to avoid more letters, Hagrid reappears and informs Harry that he is a wizard and has been accepted into Hogwarts against the Dursleys' wishes. After taking Harry to Diagon Alley, to buy his supplies for Hogwarts and a pet owl named Hedwig as a birthday present Hagrid informs him of his past Harry's parents James and Lily Potter died due to a killing curse at the hands of the malevolent and powerful wizard Lord Voldemort he who shall not be named Harry, the only survivor in the chaos, thus becomes well-known in the wizarding world as the boy 
who lived. Harry enters King's Cross Station shortly thereafter to board a train to Hogwarts, and shortly after becoming beginning his journey, he meets three other students, Ron Weasley, whom he quickly befriends, Hermione Granger, an intelligent witch born to non-magical muggle parents, and Draco Bitchboy Malfoy, a boy from a wealthy wizarding family with whom he immediately inf- forms a rivalry. After arriving at school, the students assemble in the Great Hall, where all of the first years are sorted by the sorting hat among four houses, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Although the sorting hat considers putting Harry in Slytherin with Draco, he is placed in Gryffindor alongside Ron and Hermione. At Hogwarts, Harry begins learning magical spells and discovers more about his past and his parents. After recovering the Remembrall from after recovering the Remembrall of Gryffindor, stu, oh my God, I can't read my own freaking handwriting. After recovering the Remembrall of Gryffindor student Neville Longbottom, much better. Harry is recruited by Gryffindor's Quidditch team as a seeker, an extraordinary rare feat for first-year students. On their way to their common room one night, the staircases change paths, leading Harry, Ron, and Hermione to the forbidden door, the forbidden floor, oh my god, of Hogwarts. The three discover a giant three-headed dog named Fluffy in a restricted area of the school. Ron then insults Hermione after being embarrassed by her in a charms lesson, causing Hermione to lock herself in the girl's bathroom. She is attacked by a marauding troll, but Harry and Ron save her, befriending befriending her in the process. The children later find out that Fluffy is guarding the Philosopher's Stone, an object that has the power to turn any metal into gold and produce a potion that grants immortality. Harry suspects that the potions teacher and head of Slyth- head of Slytherin House, Severus Snape, is trying to obtain the stone in order to return Voldemort to physical form. Hagrid accidentally reveals to the trio that Fluffy will fall asleep if music is played to him. Harry, Ron, and Hermione decide that night to try and find the stone before Snape does. They discover an already asleep Fluffy and face a series of safeguards, including a deadly plant known as Devil Snare, a room filled with aggressive flying keys that bruise Harry, and a giant chess game that knocks out Ron. After getting past the tasks, Harry discovers that it is Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Professor Quirrell, who has been trying to claim the stone. Snape had our had actually been protecting Harry all along. Quirrell removes his turban and reveals a weak Voldemort living on the back of his head. Through an enchantment placed by Dumbledore, Harry finds the stone in his possession. Voldemort attempts to bargain the stone from Harry in exchange for reviving his parents, but Harry refuses. Quirrell attempts to kill Harry in response. However, he is instead killed after Harry ends up burning his skin, reducing Quirrell to dust and causing Voldemort's soul to rise from the ashes. Harry is knocked unconscious when Voldemort's soul passes through him. 
Harry recovers in the school's hospital wing with Dumbledore at his side. Dumbledore explains that the stone has been destroyed and that Ron and Hermione are safe. Dumbledore also reveals how Harry was able to defeat Quirrell when Harry's mother died to save him. Her death gave Harry a love-based protection against Voldemort. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are rewarded with house points for their heroic performances, tying them for first with Slytherin. Dumbledore then awards 10 points to Neville for attempting to stop the trio, granting Gryffindor the house cup. Harry returns home for the summer, happy to finally have a real home at Hogwarts. Oh, how sweet. So, um, before we get into the fun facts, I just wanted to briefly bring up, um, I actually did a write-up on some of the details between the book and the movie that, um, the differences between the two. Um, so basically Chris Columbus repeatedly checked with JK Rowling to make sure he was getting the minor details correct. Steve Cloves, producer described the film as being really faithful to the book. He added dialogue of which Rowling approved. One of the lines originally included had to be removed though after Rowling told him that it would directly contradict an event in the then unreleased fifth Harry Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Several minor, minor characters have been removed from the film version as well, most prominently Peeves, the poltergeist. Although actor Rick Mayall was cast in the role, but his scenes were ultimately cut from the film and never released. The book's first chapter, told from the viewpoint of Vernon and Petunia Dursley, is absent from the film. Harry and Draco's first encounter at Madame Malkin's robe shop and the midnight duel are not in the film. Uh, Norbert is mentioned to have been taken away by Dumbledore in the film, whilst in the book, Harry and Hermione have to take him by hand to Charlie Weasley's friends. According to Cloves, it was the one part of the book that Rowling felt easily could be changed. As a result, the reason for the detention in the Forbidden Forest was changed. In the novel, Harry and Hermione were put in detention for being caught by Filch when leaving the astronomy tower after hours. Neville and Malfoy are given detention when caught in the corridor by Professor McGonagall. In the film, Harry, Hermione, and Ron receive detention after Malfoy catches them in Hagrid's hut after hours. Malfoy then receives detention as well as be for being out of bed. The Quidditch pitch is altered from a traditional stadium to an open field circled by spectator towers. Uh, let's see. Lastly, the book's timeline is not enforced in the film. Um, basically, in the book, Harry's 11th birthday is in 1991. On the film set for number four, Privet Drive, Dudley's certificates from primary school bear the year 2001. Obviously, um, yeah, 
the book is published in 1997, which would lead more to a 1991 timeline where the movie comes out in obviously 2001, which leads more towards a 2001 uh, released or 2001 timeline. So, yeah. Alrighty, so let's see. I got some fun facts here for you guys, and we will go from there, see how many of these we're going to go ahead and bring up. Uh, Let's see, Richard Harris turned down the role of Dumbledore three times, but eventually said yes after his granddaughter threatened to never speak to him again. So, yeah, that, I find that one kind of funny just because of the fact that I'm an uncle who both of my nephews have me wrapped around their little finger. And if the same thing was presented to me and either one of my two nephews told me that they would never speak to me again if I didn't do this, that, and the other thing, then, yeah, you're right. I would probably cave in too just because I'm a nice guy. Shh, don't tell anybody, though. Um, initially, Robin Williams wanted to play the role of Rubius Hagrid. Um, so, yeah, basically, Robin Williams reportedly wanted to play Rubius in the films, but was turned down. Um, Ultimately, what it boiled down to was um, the book's author, J.K. Rowling, was insistent on having a British actors-only cast. So, you have that one as well. Uh, Monty Python icon Terry Gilliam said that J.K. Rowling originally wanted him to direct the movie. Would have made for an interesting twist on that story. Um, Ironically, because as we all, most of us know, um, movies are not generally filmed in order but the last scene in the film also was the very first scene filmed for this film as well uh, let's see um... initially Emma Watson was meant to wear fake teeth in order to play Hermione but because of the fact that she could not speak properly with the dentures in, the that character trait got immediately scrapped. Uh, disgustingly fun fact of the episode they used the food in the great hall feast for three days of shooting which means it smelled freaking horrifically awful uh 
I don't know why in the blue of the $125 million budget you couldn't afford friggin' fresh food every day when you went to friggin' film. Jesus God, people. Uh, off the wall fun fact of the night. Uh, Rupert Grint got the part of Ron by dressing up as a female drama teacher and rapping. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. No offense. Uh, let's see. Evidently, they had an issue with the Dursleys where the uh, owls refused to look at Petunia and instead would stare at the camera. So to combat this, they had to hang dead mice from Petunia's apron so that the owls would look at her instead of the camera. Uh, this one actually, I am kind of curious to know if Rupert actually kept, especially considering the fact that Alan Rickman is no longer here, but, um, evidently Rupert Grint drew a caricature of Alan Rickman during the potions lesson scene and Alan Rickman got Grint to autograph it for him. That in my opinion, would be one hell of a keepsake to make sure that you keep with you and carry on for the rest of your life. And then, let's see, last but not least, obviously, some of the scenes in the movie had to be filmed twice over because of the different names obviously the um yeah the fact that the sorcerer's stone in the american version is called the sorcerer's stone and in the international version is referred to as the philosopher's stone so obviously they had to reshoot every scene where the sorcerer's stone is brought up and have it referred to as the philosopher's stone so that pretty much is just of the fun facts that I had found for the episode. So, um, yeah. For a long time during my teenage years and definitely into my early adult years, I had gotten away from reading anything that wasn't directly horror related and Harry Potter is one of those books that I found that helped me branch out and delve back into the world of fantasy fiction. Um, honest to God, I was working as a security, as a security guard my first time around and um, this is back in, yeah, 2000, 
probably yeah yeah because the movie hadn't yet come out so it would have been probably 2000 um and you got to remember this is back before netflix and streaming and smartphones and even portable dvd players well they're was portable dvd players but they were expensive as hell and when you're working as a lowly minimum wage earning security peon you're not going to be able to afford a portable dvd player but um one of the ways besides listening to music that i used to pass the time on my long eight hour graveyard shifts was taking books with me to read and at this point, a certain point during my employment with the company that I was employed with by at the time, I literally had run out of books to read. And I think it was my mom had a copy of the first three Harry Potter books. And I was like, yeah, what the hell? I need something to read and I don't have much time to come up with something. So I grabbed Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and I read the book. Yeah, pretty much literally in like two nights and fell in love. I mean, it obviously it's young adult fiction, but at the same time, it's something that even adults can enjoy. And especially if you are, a kid who grew up through your youth at the time that the books were coming out and the movies were coming out, obviously 93.764% of the population loves the Harry Potter and they're not unjust in feeling that way. The Harry Potter franchise is an amazing franchise and Honest to God, I love the movies. I don't think I saw one in the theater. No, I take it back. I saw Chamber of Secrets in the theater. I saw Prisoner of Azkaban in the theater. I saw Goblet of Fire, Order of Phoenix, Half-Blood, and Deathly Hollows Part 1 in the theater. I don't know why I didn't see Deathly Hollows Part 2 in the theater, but it's not the point. But yeah, I think Deathly Hollows 2 and so my rating for this movie mm, I love it. I love it. I love I love this movie. Probably not as much as others do. But that's okay. And I'm not ashamed to say I gladly, proudly, respectfully am going to give the movie four out of five lightning bolt scars. It's an awesome movie. For the most part, it stays incredibly faithful to the book. Obviously, like we discussed earlier, there's a few small minor changes that really don't affect the overall storyline per se. I don't think anybody had 
a horrible performance at all in the movie. I four out of five is definitely a worthy. No, I gotta go. I gotta go higher than four out of five. I mean, it it's it's an awesome freaking movie. I'm I'll go for. 4.75 lightning bolt scars out of five. To me, it's not necessarily on the level of perfection, but it's an amazing enough movie that I've seen the movie 200 times probably. And I'm probably not done watching it ever again either. I mean, I enjoy going back to the world of Hogwarts, School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and enjoying the adventures and shenanigans of Harry and Ron and Hermione as they try and save the world from he who shall not be named. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure every one of the dozens who is probably going to listen to this episode has probably watched this movie. If you haven't watched this movie, um, shame on you. Um, well, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched a movie, I recommend watching it. It's not a horrible movie by any stretch of the imagination, even if fantasy isn't necessarily your cup of tea. There's definitely themes throughout the entire movie and well, really throughout the entire series that anybody can latch on to. And like I said, I highly recommend you even just one time, just go through the eight movies and watch. And at least that way you can say that, yes, you have watched the Harry Potter series. So anyway, I think that just about wraps up this episode. Um, As always, I want to thank you guys for coming back and sticking it out with us. Well, me tonight and us next time out. Um, I know, speaking for myself and Queenie herself, I know we appreciate you guys and your support so much. I cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate it. Again, I've always said I will probably, even if every one of my listeners disappeared, keep doing this just because I kind of like to hear myself talk, but I also love movies so much that, yeah, I'll still talk about it even if nobody's willing to listen. But the fact that you guys keep coming back each and every week, sometimes two or three, four times a week, depending upon how ambitious I get, it means a lot to myself being case to and it, i know it means a lot to um queenie herself and well hell i'd throw gene in there too when gene's on the show a couple of times she's been on the show i know she appreciates you guys listening and enjoying the episodes as well and you know like for that I will always, always, always tip my hat to the dozens. You guys are fucking amazing. And I don't know what I would do without you guys. 
So you help keep me motivated. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So with that said, coming up on an evening at the movies, I believe I made this announcement in the Facebook group. And in case I didn't make this announcement in the Facebook group, the very next time that you get a brand new episode of an evening at the movies is going to be an episode where myself and her Royal Highness will be discussing the horror franchise. Well, the first movie in the horror franchise that is the scream movies. But even more importantly than that, if you guys don't already know, Amanda and myself will be joined by acclaimed author and friend of the podcast, who in turn, Amanda and I are friends of her published work because while I haven't read every word that she's putting on page, I'm building up my library and slowly starting to get through. Well, not so. I mean, when I say slowly, I mean no disrespect, but I'm working my way through all of her books and we'll get into this one on Thursday as well. But, um, yeah, uh, we here at an evening at the movies will be welcoming in acclaimed author Meg Hafdal to discuss the first movie in the Scream franchise as well. So we are excited and looking forward to that, obviously, as that she is, no offense to everybody else who has come on the show, but she is probably the most famous person who has come on the show. And I look forward to discussing Scream with her. I know Amanda looks forward to discussing Scream with her. And maybe if you guys are lucky, we might get a chance to pick her brain about some of her books that she has written, as well as co-authored with her friend Kelly Florence. And we'll get you some information and hopefully get you guys intrigued to maybe check out some of her books as well, because Amanda and I both have read several of her books and we both love them. And we really would love to get the chance to share that love with each and every one of you guys as well. So yes, that will be the next episode. And then, um, Saturday morning, I'm planning on, please don't hold my feet to the fire on this one because we all know how my scheduling has gone the last couple weeks. But um, Saturday morning, the plan is, is I will be releasing the Hunger Games Catching Fire episode. And then coming up the rest of the month, we have... A plan to have Amanda's husband George come on and discuss Back to the Future with us. Um, as well, I'm kicking around the idea of possibly recording an episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as well, if um, Amanda and I have talked about the fact that if 
her husband's schedule is too busy and we can't get him on sometime in the next couple of weeks to discuss back to the future that maybe she and I will go back in time because we've already done um, Karate Kid Part 2 that maybe we will as a substitute for back to the future, go back and record karate kid part one for you guys. That way you can have an episode on karate kid one, as well as karate kid two, especially knowing the fact that we have a plan coming up for the beginning of the year where she and I are going to be discussing at length because everything we do is at length when it's her and I recording, but we're going to be delving into the four season epic that is Cobra Kai. So you guys have that to look forward to as well. But then, so yeah, we have Scream, Hunger Games 2, Back to the Future, and or Karate Kid, um, Indiana Jones, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not in Yeah. But, and then you have the bridge episode, which will bridge the gap from epic franchises into our month-long holiday follow-la fest. And we'll get into that here. Well, I'll be asking for recommendations as well in the Facebook group probably in the next week so that we can start looking towards scheduling the December episodes. Um, there will be two bonus episodes in December, both right about the same time. Um, I've got to double check again. One of them is a birthday request episode from my brother. And then as well, Amanda herself, her Royal Highness, has a birthday as well next month, and I gifted her the right to pick any movie that she wants, and she and I will do an episode on that movie as well. So you'll have those two bonus episodes to look forward to next month, as well as a month full of holiday warmth and jingle bells and yuletide greetings. So... So now that I've rambled on and on and on and probably bored you guys all to death and you guys have all blown off my up and coming on an evening at the movies, I just want to tell you guys thank you again for tuning in and listening and I look forward to you guys coming back for an evening at the movies. Peace.